You're listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. I think that uh, I'd be considered an ambivert. It either takes the filling of the Holy Spirit or a lot of caffeine to make me full, go like full extra. Um, hey, let's pray before we just jump into uh, the message today. Holy Spirit, we continue to give you center stage and all of our attention. And we even wait upon you. We wait upon the Lord because we know that that's how our strength is renewed. Lord, would you cause us to run and not be weary, to walk and not faint. Holy Spirit, do what you love to do and open our eyes. Open the eyes of our heart to see wondrous things from scripture, to see wondrous things about the nature of our good, good Father. Open our eyes, our ears, our hearts to remember and to see new things about the life and love of Jesus, the life that we've been invited into. Open our eyes to see that we are actually seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that your presence does all of this. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Um, well, today's uh, should be a lot of fun. I, um, my, my plans got interrupted by the Holy Spirit uh, because he gave me a dream last night. Um, how many of you guys love when the Lord gives you a dream? Yes, it's biblical. Like the, some of the biggest moments in human history came about because of dreams or were foreshadowed by a dream. And he's still doing that same kind of thing today. And it's just, it's really fun. It's really powerful. And, and I want it all. I think that life is hard enough that I want everything that Jesus might possibly have to help, right? So... Uh, I had a dream last night, and, and in the dream, um, it, it was very vivid. And, um, and often when a dream is extra vivid, extra memorable, it, it's often a sign that it's from the Lord. We have a lot of dreams that we forget. We have a lot of dreams that just, you know, um, don't seem to stand out. But when, I, this is just a little bit of training in hearing the voice of God for you guys. If you have a very memorable, vivid dream, it's usually from the Lord. And so this happens to be one of those. And I want to re recount the dream for you real quick. I was in a, a slaughterhouse and it was, um, it was gross. <laughs> there were cows and, and horses being slaughtered of all things. And um, they, they did it while the animal was still alive and standing. And I know this is really gross. It's very vivid, but it has meaning. And they thought that it wouldn't hurt the animal while they, while they skinned it. And I was very disturbed. And so um, in the dream, I, I walk out of the slaughterhouse and there's people lined up outside. And it's as if they want to go in and like have a tour, almost like it's a concert or something. Or, or some of them are standing outside, almost like they're taking a smoke break. And so it felt very much like a concert. And I... I walk up to a, a group of people standing in line, and I hear this guy talking to his two female friends 
about how he's just been really troubled in his soul. He's had a lot of turmoil. And I kind of joined the conversation a little bit awkwardly, as I often do. And I... <laughs> that's my oldest friend laughing. Uh, <laughs> I, I joined the conversation, and I said, um, what are y'all talking about? And he, he begins to tell me that, recount how he's just been tormented. And I said, with a smile on my face, you, you're probably being oppressed by a spirit. And, <laughs> and he said, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. And, um, and they'd introduced themselves. This young man's name was Cameron. It was Cameron and the two female friends were Ruth and Faith. That'll be important here in a minute. And, um, and I said to Cameron, can I pray for you? At the exact same time, he asked, will you pray for me? It's like our words overlapped. I said, can I pray? And he said, will you pray for me? And, um, and I said, Abs- absolutely. And uh, I kind of pulled them aside. And the whole time I'm kind of smiling and talking with Cameron, very calm. And I said, hey, I think this is a mocking spirit sent to increase the power of shame in your life. And he said, I, I-, I think you're right. And um, I said, well, I'm going to pray for you. And um, while I do, some other things might come up prophetically, or I might pray things that sound a little bizarre to you. And I said, just go with it. And at that point, he got a little bit, he was, he's really excited, but he also started to get a little bit nervous. And he's like, okay. And um, so there's Ruth, Faith, Cameron, and Cameron stretched out his hand, and I stretched out both my hands. And I, and I grabbed his one hand with my two hands. And... I said, Jesus. And right then my alarm clock went off this morning. That was, <laughs> that was the dream I had, I woke up from. And uh, the, the subject matter was notable, the, the vividness of the dream was notable, me remembering the names was notable, and then the way that it ended was all very notable. And so um, I felt like the Lord was giving me direction for us today. When you, um, when you interpret things prophetic, prophetically from the Lord, often names are very important. So I looked up the, the meaning of each name. Cameron means crooked nose. I apologize to any Camerons out there. <laughs> I couldn't find any other meaning to the name. It's not the kind of thing that you put on a cross stitch and hang over someone's bed, you know? Like, <laughs> so anyway... <laughs> Lord bless every Cameron who might be listening to this podcast right now. Um, uh, and so, um, and Ruth, the, the first Ruth instance of Ruth is in the Bible. It's a biblical name. And Ruth obviously is a very loyal friend. Where you go, I go. Where you stay, I'll, I'll stay. You know, your people will be my. So Ruth is a loyal friend. And faith, it's just faith. She's faith. And so, um, you know, so Cameron, with crooked nose, uh, the, the nose often represents discerning of spirits. It's your sniffer in the spirit realm. You know, sometimes you can't necessarily tell what's going on, but you can smell it, right? Like, <laughs> something doesn't smell right. And, or something smells amazing. You might smell the fragrance of the Lord or a familiar angel. That's all great stuff, too. Um, so here's what the dream, I think, means. 
Oh, let me back up. I, I, I called my super prophetic friend this morning and asked him to help me interpret the dream. And um, when I tol- told him the dream about, the, when I got to the part about the slaughterhouse, he said that he heard that word kind of pulled apart and it was S laughter house. And it was sacrifice laughter house. And what I was feeling was the slaughterhouse represented um, just an old religious mindset type of church where we're still into sacrificing. And you know that church is usually the first to sacrifice laughter. <laughs> we, we love to laugh. Like God gives us joy. It's, Jesus loves joy. It's for, I've told you these things so that your joy would be complete. Like even Isaac, the son of Abraham means laughter. So anyway, um, so here's what I was thinking the the dream meant. There would be um, power present today for people who are escaping religious mindsets. And all you would need, you don't even need to have good discernment. You could still have a crooked nose, but all you need is a loyal friend and a little faith. You guys feel that? (laughs) All right, let's move on. Um, So what I'm talking about is deliverance, and deliverance sometimes has like a scary connotation. We start envisioning things in our mind, but really, um, I I just think of deliverance as as freedom. Like you're you're just something something that was lessening your joyful experience of life in God just found its way getting kicked out the door. That's a good thing. Like, everybody wants that, right? I love getting delivered because it means that I'm having more and more encounters with his kindness, and I get to enjoy him more and more and more in the future. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness that empowers that repentance. It breaks chains off of our life. He's good. He's gentle. He's kind. So be not afraid. Um, uh, Several years ago, I was leading a ministry school, and it was during this season, it was a bizarre season where I was just, I was seeing a lot of foot healings. Like people would come to me with sunken arches or um, plantar fasciitis or just foot problems and they'd get healed. I don't know why. You know, it was just a season where like, I, like the Lord gave me faith for feet. And it, it was bizarre. It became kind of notable to the point where, like, word was getting out, and people were calling me with foot problems. I was like, Dr. Schultz. Um, <laughs> you know, it doesn't take a doctor to know that your shoe feels better with cushion in it. Like, I would have bought that product from Mr. Schultz. He didn't need to go to school for 12 years and become a doctor for me to buy it. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, groaners. Um, okay. Back on track. Foot healings. Okay. It be, I mean, it was really, um, it became notable. Uh, my, my favorite, one of my favorite stories from this like three month period is um, I just made the announcement, God, you know, he seems to be healing feet through me this month. <laughs> like if you need healing in your feet, come up. And this was at a, a church that I used to be part of. And this, um, Teenage girl came forward and she said, it's not necessarily a foot problem, but one of my legs is like three inches longer than the other. And 
Usually when people come forward with a, a leg that's longer than the other, it's, it's barely noticeable. And then when you pray for it and you see it move, um, you, you're kind of thinking maybe my eyes are just playing tricks on me or I'm just hoping for this so much that I'm seeing it. But this girl sat down and I had her stretch her legs out and I held her hands or her feet in my hands and it was highly noticeable. Um, and she had back problems. Um, it, was, it was like a solid three or four inches uh, one foot was shorter, and so I just said, hey, keep your eyes open this time, and, I'm, and I want you to tell your leg to grow in the name of Jesus. And so we both kept our eyes open, and we, we looked at our feet while we shouted at them, like, grow in Jesus' name. Come on, foot, grow out by the blood of Jesus. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, you, you don't have to pray right. You just have to pray with faith. Um, there's not a magic word, by the way. I could have said shabba-da-ba-ba-ba-boom-boom-boom with faith in my heart. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, what kind of church did I walk into? <laughs> uh, come back next week. We don't always talk about deliverance. Uh, this is actually the first time in like two years. Um, <laughs> so anyway, as we're praying, it, I mean, it takes about 20, 30 seconds Nothing happens, but 20, 30 seconds in, it goes like fast, so fast that I get covered in goosebumps and stand up and start like shouting like, you know, that literally just happened. And uh, she's all pumped. Um, She gets up and testifies and she's walking around and testing it out. She looks a little unstable because she's never had both legs the same length before. It's a powerful moment. The next week she brings her whole family. Um, it's like a, a whole row of this awesome Mexican family, and, um, and I get a, uh, during worship, I get a word of knowledge. I hear the Lord whisper to me, C-3PO, you know, like, beep, 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 and um, <laughs> that was a bad C-3PO, y'all. <laughs> I don't even know, like, no, that's R2-D2. Oh, see? I was going to say I love Star Wars, but I, I really do. I should know it better. So anyway, <laughs> oh, so I get this word of knowledge. The Lord whispers to me, C-3PO, and I'm like, Lord, what, is, what does that mean? And then I hear him say, C-3, pain over. And I start thinking about, aren't vertebrae, like, isn't there a C-3 vertebrae? And so I called out I, I just grabbed the mic and I said, I feel like the Lord wants to heal. And I just felt like it was a man. There's a man in here. Your C3 vertebrae is out of place. The Lord wants you to know that your pain could be over today if we just pray for you. Just had a lot of confidence. And so it was the girl's uncle sitting right next to him. So now this family's lit up. He comes forward. <laughs> he comes forward and we pray for him. Like, and, and he gets completely healed. He starts doing this thing where he's bending over and like, further than he's ever bent over before, and there's no pain, and he's just stoked. It was cool. And then uh, this girl called, uh, she emailed in and said, hey, I'm, uh, I hear that you, you're healing feet. I've had this pain in my feet for the longest time, for years and years. I have to wear these uh, orthopedic shoes. It feels like burning needles, like all over the bottoms of my feet. And she asked, would you pray for me? And I said, I would, I'm, absolutely, I'll, I'll pray for you. Can you come in tomorrow at, at like 11 a.m.? Because 
tomorrow at 11 a.m., that day, I would be leading uh, our ministry school, and I wanted to turn it into a, a show and tell, like, you know, a, a teaching moment. And so she comes into class. I make sure she's okay, like that we all pray for her. She says, yes, yeah. she comes into class. There's 20 to 30 of us in this room, and I sit her down on a stool, and I kind of interview her and ask her, you know, how long it's been going on, and do you mind if we pray for you? And some of my students come forward, and we gather around her, start praying for her feet, and um, that's when, like, she started, like, groaning and um, kind of getting really jittery. And, and I just said, hey, uh, I will call her Sarah. I, I said, hey, Sarah, it, it seems like there's some spiritual manifestations happening in your body while we're praying, which to me means you probably have some spiritual oppression still on your life from the past, do you mind if we deal with that first? Because I think that if we pray for the spiritual oppression, there might be healing that comes to your feet. And she says, oh, okay, yeah. And, and so, oh, and I, and I got this little word of knowledge, and I said, I, I feel like you're the first Christian in your family. And your parents are into um, some Eastern religion, and that's not a super strong word of knowledge. Um, she's uh, Asian, but I felt like she was a, the first believer in her family, her parents were uh, in some Eastern religion, and she said, that's exactly right. And, um, and I said, this is the enemy trying to take away the joy of your new walk in the Lord. And, and I said, if, I think if we pray for you, this will go away, and then the healing can come. And so we start praying more, and I start addressing any kind of unseen spiritual enemy in her life, and at that point, it got a little bit more wild, and she starts shaking her head back and forth, and this kind of uh, voice that wasn't really like her voice, you know, bellowed out, um, and it said, we're not leaving. And, and I actually, I'm, I'm smiling and calm through this whole thing, and, and I just said, <laughs> Yes, you are. And, and, um, but because she was shaking and weird noises and stuff were coming out of her, I, I, I said, hey, do you re Sarah, do you realize that these groans are coming out of you and that you just yelled at us in a bizarre voice were not coming out? And she says, what? Oh, no. And I said, no, no, don't worry. It's okay. Like, <laughs> these kinds of things happen. Um, but I, I think that what we should do is you go into this room next door with some trusted women, and if you uh, just pray with them and repent of anything that the Lord brings to mind, it, it will break the power that the enemy has to oppress you in this area. And she says, okay. Long story short, she gets completely healed. She emails back saying that I can't believe this pain I've had for years and years and years left that day hasn't come back. She then enrolled. Yeah, amen, Jesus. <clears throat> she gets a lot of healing. Uh, and um, she then enrolls in the ministry school and gets trained up and, and discipled in the things of the kingdom. And it was just, it was a, a really powerful uh, and cool moment for all of us. Um, so why, why am I talking about oppression? Why am I talking about demons today? Jesus dealt with them often, right? And we're 
Jesus people now, right? And so it stands to reason that we will also be dealing with the same things that Jesus dealt with. That's simple answer number one. Also, I love you guys. And I, I want you to be not just equipped to set other people free, but equipped to keep out of um, the reach of oppressive spirits, like not open yourself up to oppressive spirits. Amen? Because I love you. <laughs> and I love myself. I love to get delivered too. I get delivered more than a $3 pizza. Um, <laughs> Uh, there's, there's a belief that demonization is a thing of the past. Um, I can see why people would hope that to be true. Um, but I think you would have a hard time with Jesus's final discourse and the great commission where he says, in my name, they'll drive out demons, those who believe. Um, it's, it's, it, and he doesn't give like a time period, like, oh, this is only going to last, you know, a certain amount of time. And so, uh, you know, if we believe that there's no more spiritual oppression, then the next logical question would have to be, well, then where did the demons go? Like, you know, it's just, okay, so I think you're tracking with me. Um, I would say that a year rarely goes by where I don't have about a half a dozen people manifest a demon on me uh, for the purpose of them getting free. Um, uh, that's probably more than average. Um, it's... It's something that brings me great joy, watching people get set free, and it's something that even from the time I was a child, I saw happen. I grew up in the kind of church where th there was power present, and so there were people who uh, got set free from spiritual oppression. Um, it was kind of a, I wouldn't say normal, but it was memorable, and it was somewhat often where uh, someone would come into our church growing up and manifest a demon, and the elders would come and pray for him. He'd get set free, and the, the shouting would go away, and he'd come back, and he'd look happy next week. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> that's a really under oversimplification, but um, okay. Also, um, you know, the last time I taught on... Uh, this stuff was in 2019, and it was while I was teaching the residency, which is our ministry, ministry school down in Dallas. The ministry school in Dallas is now called USM, but it used to be called residency, and uh, I taught on this stuff, a lot of the same things that I'm going to share today, and um, no joke, as soon as I like closed my Bible and the class was over, my phone goes off. It's a text from someone in the prayer room next door saying, Jeremy, we need you over here. There's a guy manifesting a demon. Like literally as I finished teaching about um, freedom. And so um, I went over and um, there was definitely a, a guy who, uh, uh, older gentleman, um, 50s or 60s. He um, just seemed like he was sh shaking in, it, in his chair a lot and shifting around and just seemed uncomfortable in the presence of the Lord. It's not him. The enemy doesn't like that he's in there. The enemy is uncomfortable that he's in there. The enemy wants him to leave because he's in a place where there's power. And so um, <clears throat> I go up to him, again, smiling. I get down lower than him, you know, just to not be threatening. Or, um, he doesn't need that in his life. And I just said, hey, man, Seems like uh, something's going on in your heart uh, while you're in here. Would you like to pray with me? And he says, yeah, I need it so bad. I can't, I can't leave here unless I get like freedom from, from this stuff that's going on. And, he's, and, he, and he starts 
really um, going into a lot of stuff that he's feeling in the moment. And I said, well, let's, um, my friend Mufa, you guys probably know Mufa. It's like my friend Mufa, and I would love to pray for you, but can we pray for you over here? And so, because uh, we just didn't want to make a scene. Um, we didn't want him to be embarrassed by anything that ha- was happening, and we didn't want people uh, to get distracted from the purpose that they were there, to worship and pray. And so we just took him to another area. And, um, and that's when things got uh, even more heated. Um, he was a very sad and oppressed person at this time. And, um, but then on top of him just talking about how he's sad and feeling oppressed, his tongue started shooting out of his mouth left and right like, like a serpent. It was un- otherworldly. And, um, and he was trying to convince us that he was a dirty boy unworthy of love because of the horrible things that he's done. And that's what gets whispered into his head every day from that spirit. You're unworthy of love. No one's going to help you. No one's going to want to be around you. You're dirty because of the things that you've done. And I, smiling, just said, you're already loved. And, and the Holy Spirit kind of dropped the, the word rage in, into my inner ear, <laughs> um, into my mind. And I just said, um, I feel like the first thing that we should deal with is this issue of rage in your life and outbursts of, of anger. And then it shifted. He got like really combative. And, um, uh, and he, he bowed up on me and got in my face and pulled his arm back like he was going to hit me. And again, I just said, you're not going to touch me in Jesus' name. And then at that point, it looked like he was restrained. His arms were back here, and he couldn't take a swing at me. Um, fun, huh? <laughs> just a normal day in the life of a Jesus lover. <laughs> um, well, long story short, Mufa and I, you can ask him about this. Um, we saw that expression of and, and violent rage that was on him break and leave. And he like exhaled. And we know that there is other stuff going on in his life. And it's not like that was a one and done. We don't believe that like that one moment fixed him forever. Like we we need to be in community. We need inner healing, deliverance, counseling, therapy. We need trusted friendship. We need accountability. We need all of these things around us. But that guy got freedom of spirit that day, which is a big help, right? Um, So um, around here, we like to keep the main thing, the main thing, which is the beauty of Jesus. We love looking on Jesus. We love worshiping him, praying to him. That will always be our main thing. And I would love to say that all it takes is worship to be set free from all sorts of oppression, but I just, I don't see that in scripture, and I don't see that in my life. I don't see that in the lives of people around me. What I see is that sometimes we need a loyal friend, a little bit of faith, and intervention. So someone actually praying a prayer in the name of Jesus for us to be set free from something. It's just all over scripture, right? Okay. Um, in 2 Corinthians 2, it says, this is 2.10, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I've forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us. Whoa, 
Satan might outwit us. Okay, so this seems important. We should probably pay attention. He's talking about forgiveness. He's talking about not keeping a record of wrongs. Forgiveness is really important when it comes to keeping spiritually or free from spiritual oppression. Um, it says, uh, so he goes into forgiveness and he says, in order that Satan might not outwit us. And then he says this, for we are not unaware of his schemes. So Satan has schemes and the church, we get to be aware of them. It doesn't mean that we focus on them. It doesn't mean it becomes a main thing. Um, we're not believing that there's uh, a critter under you know, every bush or behind every wall. You know, you know what I'm saying? But it's important for us to at least be aware so that we're not outwitted. And it's important for us to practice forgiveness and walk in mercy so that we're not outwitted. Because unforgiveness and bitterness is probably the number one open door for spiritual oppression. One of the reasons I love talking about this is because I've experienced it in my life. Uh, I've, uh, I, I've used that joke a lot. You know, I've been delivered more than a $3 pizza, but even though it's funny and silly, it's actually quite true. Um, I had a, a couple years of just prodigal son living that, uh, where I just got dirtied up and I needed help. I needed people around me to help me walk out freedom and, and help get deliverance. Uh, the worst that I can remember uh, was when uh, this warlock put a curse on me. Hello, good morning, Sunday. Uh, <laughs> you're like, what kind of church did I walk into again? Yes, a, uh, a guy who is a warlock in a coven put a curse on me where I had terrifyingly evil dreams for 30 nights straight. It was so bad that I didn't want to go to bed anymore. I didn't want to go to sleep, even though I was exhausted. I didn't want to go to sleep because when I went to sleep, I'd go right back into these horrible all-night nightmares um, that were just twisted. And then I'd wake up and realize, oh my goodness, I'm awake in the presence of God. I'm full of joy. And like, I loved being awake because I was with Jesus. I hated going to sleep because I was oppressed. Um, maybe that's for someone in the room, but uh, about 30 days into it, I finally asked God what's going on and asked for help. <laughs> Isn't it weird how sometimes like we can be oppressed and we, we forget, oh, I should probably ask God for help. <laughs> or ask him, what do I do? What dost I do, Lord? Um, and so uh, he whispered to me, a curse has been put on you but you can break it. And so I just said, I was, I was 20 years old. I didn't have a, a good break a curse from a warlock prayer in my repertoire. <laughs> I just said, in the name of Jesus, I break this curse. And you know what? It ended that day. There was no, not a single crazy nightmare like that again. It was 30 nights in a row, directly after me coming out of prodigal life, and this warlock, who was a friend of mine, put this curse on me, and it was broken that day when I prayed a prayer. It was as if he had assigned a spirit to afflict me in the evenings. I went to, um, and then after, uh, shortly after that, I went to a ministry school that was like a lightning rod for power encounters, which also meant that it was like a giant bug zapper advertising for any critters in the spirit to come and get zapped. And so like this ministry school 
we had a lot of power. The worship was over, like just incredible. And there was, there, there was accurate prophetic ministry going on and there's deliverance going on. And so I went to that ministry school and got even more um, just lit up uh, for, for the Lord and seeing uh, his power change people's lives. You know that someone who is highly demonized is insanely beloved by the Lord. The Lord loves the stuffing out of that little creation of his, that son or daughter. He just loves them. And um, it, it would be like if you, if you bought an iPod and you opened it up and turned it on and realized that there was like this weird song that had been downloaded onto it that makes you feel funny. Uh, it's a perfectly good iPod, right? You just erase the song. Okay? So, like, there are perfectly good computers and iPods walking around that have an evil song downloaded on them or, or a virus on them. There's nothing wrong with the computer. There's nothing wrong with the iPod. We just need to delete that thing that is oppressing. Um, guys, no one has ever uh, dreamed of being demonized. No one wakes up and, and thinks, man, I hope that I get involved in a crippling addiction today. Like the, the eight-year-old boy that saw pornography for the first time didn't think, oh, I hope that this ruins my ability to have healthy intimacy with my wife for the rest of my life. No, like they were duped and deceived. And so part of forgiveness is letting ourselves off the hook. In fact, a huge part of deliverance is forgiving ourselves and, and realizing that uh, Satan doesn't, demons don't play fair, Satan doesn't play fair. If he can get to a child, he will. And, and the choices that we make or the, when we willfully engage in, in sin, it doesn't mean that we are seeing the whole picture. Even Jesus himself looked down from the cross at the people murdering him and said, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. And when his disciples manifested demons and wanting, this is in Luke, is it nine? Yeah, Luke nine, they want to kill the Samaritans, the racially charged murder. Like that's what the disciples want to do. They want to manifest racially charged murder on a people group they don't like. And Jesus, even though he knows they're manifesting demons, says, you don't know what spirit you're of. Because the son of man didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And so we need to let ourselves off the hook. Um, when I was a, um, an assistant youth pastor at a church many years ago, there was this 13-year-old boy. This is a fun story. There's this 13-year-old boy who um, anytime the anointing came during worship, anytime the anointing came during a message during youth group, there's like about 70 teenagers in this youth group. Anytime the anointing came, this 13-year-old boy would begin to pass gas loudly, and it smelled horrible, and it disrupted the room. I know, I told you, it's going to be an awesome story. And <laughs> bear with me. So <clears throat> I, I mean, this becomes a pattern. Anytime the Lord comes, so does this smell, this, this disruption. And... Um, and the head youth pastor is like, I just need to talk to him. I need to do something about this. I need to rebuke him. We need to like make him aware of this. And I said, that's a demon, dude. Like that is the fartness demon I've ever known. <laughs> My very words. 
and quote me on that. <laughs> I hope you all remember this morning. Um, and, he's, and he's like, well, I, I mean, I don't know. And I was like, trust me, man, I do. I know that thing manifests every time like, the service gets good. And um, so uh, a couple weeks go by, and it's still, ha- it's still happening. And then it happens really bad in this one youth gathering. And my friend Michael says, I'm, I got to do something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull him aside and talk to him. And I said, well, let me come with you. Let's just take him outside. And so we, we pull him out from the, from the group carefully not to like expose or embarrass him. And we're talking outside on the sidewalk. And my buddy Michael um, says, he goes in gentle. He says, hey, man, do you, do you know that um, you're doing this? Do you know that you're being very disruptive and distracting? And, and like sadness come, and shame comes over his face. And he says, no, no, no. Like, and and he, now he looks like a like a, a lonely uh, young man who, who just who doesn't want this to be happening. And um, I kind of nudge my buddy Michael and I, and I said, like, kind of like pay attention. And I just said, the blood of Jesus. And this kid goes like tenses up, makes this crazy face, and like what was hidden has now become present. And I turned to my friend and I said, I told you, that was a demon. And we said, come out of him in Jesus' name. And the kid got freedom. Isn't that intense and awesome? <laughs> um, <clears throat> yes, I love that story. Always makes church a little uncomfortable and memorable. See, this, that young man, just, he didn't want that thing in his life. It was ruining his ability to make friends. And that's what a demon wants. A demon wants you alone. It wants you to get shoved off into lonely places, wandering around, wondering, you know, will anyone ever love me? Or a demon wants to make you feel or act so unlovable that no one attached, like, actually comes into your life. That's their whole play. And so uh, I want to just dismantle fear. I hope that the way that I'm speaking isn't giving the enemy any undue honor. We don't need to re-empower a disempowered enemy. Amen? Like we have all power in the name of Jesus. Because we're seated in heavenly places far above all rule or reign, because Jesus made a public spectacle of every enemy triumphing over them by the cross. Uh, can you wheel in that whiteboard for me, my friend? Vincent, thank you. Um, there is uh, no reason any believer should ever have any kind of fear of these spirits. Um, in Luke ten eighteen, this, there's this cool story where Jesus um, says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And, and I want to kind of show what I think that probably looked like. So, um, let's see here. Here is, let's make him look like a ninja turtle. I don't know why, but there's, there's a bad guy. There's a bad guy up in the heavens. Let's say he's got some, like, bat wings or something. There's, there's the bad guy, Satan, up in the heavenly realms. And Jesus says, I saw him fall like 
lightning. So if you back up a few verses, you'll find in, in Luke 10 that what happened before Satan or this you know, principality fell like lightning is that Jesus had sent out his disciples to go ministering in his name, to go love on people with the power of love. And he, and he gave them a pow, like power through his name to do miracles. And so he sent out his disciples to love people with God's love and power. And so let's say, um, you know, in, in, a, in a geographic region, there might be a principality and um, let's say it's, it's anger because this guy looks angry. And so the people who live in that region often are subject to a similar spirit. Let's give them all angry eyes. This is just a fun art class day. Okay. But here comes, let's say, Bartholomew, and he, he loves people. He's, he's got those Jesus eyes of love. And, and he meets this angry guy, and basically, through the power of love, says, you know, you don't have to be angry anymore. However that is, he, he healed his body of pain or delivered him of something. And, and all of a sudden, this guy is like, whoa, you're right. And he gets lovey-dovey eyes. And that, that anger smile goes away. And you know what? This guy was actually holding up like this empowering he was empowering this principality by agreeing with him. And he's like, wait a minute, I don't have to be angry. I'm going to go ahead and drop this. And he drops that. But all these guys, they all had been empowering a spirit in a region by agreeing with it. And this love is contagious. So now this guy gets lovey-dovey eyes, and this guy gets lovey-dovey eyes, and this guy, it's just like spreading the, the love of Jesus, and they, they drop their Ninja Turtle angry <laughs> scowls, and they're like, wow, life is really great with Jesus, and, and then they all drop these poles, and then, you know, the, they were empowering and enabling this spirit to be here, and all of a sudden, this guy is like, uh-oh, <laughs> And, he's, and he's, now he's really scared, <laughs> and he falls like lightning. Simple. You go love people with the power of God's love, healing them, preaching the good news in the name of Jesus, casting out demons, healing the sick, and in, an entire region can be shifted. And the, the spiritual thing empowering uh, something dark in that area loses its ability to be there. Amen? Amen. <sighs> in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Who created the heavens? Allah didn't. Krishna didn't, like any, like all of these false gods or other religions, they didn't create the heavens, did they? 
God created the heavens. But that, that means that they work within the same principles that our God created, which is why the enemy knows the Bible so well. Are you guys following me? So like New Age doesn't have a different heavenly realm. Islam doesn't have a different heavenly realm. Uh, Buddhism doesn't have a different heavenly realm, which this is good news because we serve the one who made that heavenly realm. So we actually have the most power and authority as we're working in him and through him to do these things. Jesus says that, um, well, this is, first, this is Psalm 115, the highest heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he's given in the hands of the sons of men. And so the dealings of earth, he actually committed to us under our authority. But check this out. After Jesus dies, raises again, and is about to ascend, uh, he says to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus is saying, not only have I given you authority over earth, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, you now can go with the power to effect change in both the heavens and the earth. Isn't that just great news? 